Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We gathered together this morning to talk about the hope to cope in the midst of trouble and we're going to talk about being confused. So I have to ask you, have you ever felt confused? There's a story of a burglar who entered an empty house at night, and he heard a voice say, Jesus is watching you. And he was confused, and he looked around, and he's wondering where the voice came from, and he heard it again. Jesus is watching you. And he followed the voice into the garage to find a parrot in its cage, saying, Jesus is watching you. And the robber got frustrated and asked the parrot, what's your name? And the parrot answered, Ishmael. And the robber says, what kind of idiot would name a parrot Ishmael? To which the parrot responds, the same idiot who would name his Rottweiler Jesus. A lot of people are confused about Jesus. And we're going to look at the Corinthian church today that was very confused. In fact, they thought they had missed the resurrection. That's how confused they were. And in response to their confusion, the Apostle Paul writes one of the most incredible chapters in the Bible, all about what happens at the resurrection of the saints. And when I say saints, I'm talking about believers in Jesus Christ. So I thank God for Paul because if we didn't have this chapter we would be hopeless. We can learn about the resurrection. We can learn about what will happen to us. Things like the order of the resurrection, what happens first, second, etc. What happens to my body when I die? What kind of body will I get? Jesus' resurrection is the most important event in the history of the world. It changed my life and your life forever, so we shouldn't be confused about it. That's why I'm talking today about the hope to cope even in confusion. Many people are in a state of confusion. Their reality is distorted by false information and misleading facts that are not facts at all. People who get their news from so-called news media are some of the most confused people in the world. And personally, I think their entire goal is to confuse us and to cause us to fear. You know, recently they did a study in L.A. County And they found that according to the antibody testing for the coronavirus, over 400,000 people, so about 4.1% of the people in L.A. County, showed that they had the antibody for the virus, which means they had contracted the virus, and many of them didn't even develop symptoms. So that makes a huge difference. Why? Because the numbers they were working from were a lot lower. As of Friday, the CDC reports that the number of cases in L.A. were 17,508 with 797 deaths. That's a death rate of about 4.55%. That's a high death rate. But now you throw in the other 442,000 people, and the death rate drops to like 0.8%, which is about the same as the flu. Now, I'm not saying that we should diminish the seriousness of the coronavirus, But when we're working off false information and misleading statistics, it's causing us to be confused and fearful. 
and confused and fearful people respond in chaotic and irrational ways. Jesus said the truth will set you free. And this is why we should know the truth about Jesus and about what he says in his word, what will happen to us at the resurrection. Because God's statistics are always correct. Okay, If you're in Christ by faith, You've placed your faith in Christ, and you've heard me say, where the head goes, Christ, the body follows, the church. So I can tell you, according to God's statistics, there's a 100% chance that when you die, you will go to heaven to be with Jesus. Okay, that's correct statistics. God, it says in 1 Corinthians 14.33, is not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. So if you feel confused, that's not from God. God is a God of peace. So when you take a deep breath and relax in Christ, the Greek word confusion means to be disturbed or disordered. Have you ever felt like that? Well, God is not that. Can you imagine if a God was like confused and like disorderly? Oh, the sun's coming up. I don't know. Maybe. You know, what time? Oh, I don't know. It's sometime in the middle of the day. I don't know. God's confused. That's not how God runs things. But many of us are like that. We're disordered. We're confused. We're disturbed. We're anxious. We're fearful, which leads to chaos. And confusion will distort your hope and lessen your faith. So I want to tell you today that we have the hope to cope in Christ, because he's taken care of everything, including death. The church at Corinth was confused about the resurrection. They were panicked. They were disorderly. And Paul clears it up by presenting a clear doctrine, teaching of the bodily resurrection. So let's talk about that, the order of the bodily resurrection. First, Jesus rose first. This is historical. This is factual. Many people saw him alive. There's been billions of people in the last 2,000 years that have called themselves Christians in belief of the resurrection. Jesus was known as the first fruits of the resurrection, which means he's the first one of the harvest to rise from the dead, which is the beginning of the harvest, but also a pledge of the coming fullness of the harvest. So if Jesus did not rise, no one else would. That's what Paul says. He says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. I mean, that's so obvious. Paul presents the truth, actual statistics, that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, a little context. Paul's writing to a very disorderly church. In fact, in chapter 14, he gets on their case about the disorderly worship, that everyone was just all in for themselves. There was no order to their liturgy, to their worship. And it was causing confusion and disorder. So Paul ends chapter 14 by saying, but all things must be done properly in an orderly manner. Now he uses that sentence, that phrase, to set up the whole discussion about the resurrection. So he's saying everything should be done 
orderly and properly, including the way God has planned out the resurrection. So in chapter 15, Paul speaks of the order of the resurrection. And in verse 20, it says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, in the scriptures, for a believer, Paul never referred to people as dying. He refers to them as falling asleep. Why? Because a believer falls asleep on this side of heaven and wakes up on that side of heaven. Jesus Christ died, rose from the dead, and then he appeared to Peter and the 12 disciples, to James and to all the apostles, including Paul and 500 more people. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'm going to start reading from verse 16, where Paul says this, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have, now check this out, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, Paul's saying, if only we have hope on this side of eternity, we have no hope. We have hope on that side of eternity. That's the hope to cope that I'm talking about. So Jesus Christ rose first. Then, secondly, I will rise at his coming. The Bible is very clear about this. There's no confusion. Now, first, we need context. In 1 Corinthians 15, 22, Paul writes something important. He says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. That's very important because it talks about two types of people in the world. There are people who are in Adam, and there are people who are in Christ. Those who are in Christ will rise with Christ. Those who are in Adam are dead in their sins with Adam and will be judged according to their sins. So the question today is, which are you? Hopefully you're in Christ by faith and you become a part of his body. That's how you become a part of his body. And then where the head goes, the body follows. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 23, it says, but each in his own order. So there's an order to how this happened. Christ is the first fruit, the first one. After that, those who are in Christ at his coming. Now, what does it mean at his coming? Which coming? Because Jesus came, right? And that Greek word is parousia. So we often talk about the parousia of Christ. Which parousia? Which coming? Well, the first coming, we've experienced that. And in John three sixteen through 17, it says, For God so loved the world, and read this with me, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So the first parousia, the first coming of Christ, was to save the world. And we are living in the age of grace, where God is giving people a chance to come to faith in Christ and repent of their sins and follow Christ and believe in him. But there will be a second parousia. And that's what Paul's speaking of when we will rise with him. In fact, in 
Matthew 25, Jesus speaks of his second coming this way. He says, when the Son of Man, speaking of himself, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne, which means that there will be a judgment. And it's called the great white throne judgment. And in Revelation, it's kind of a long passage. This is something that will happen in the future, has not happened yet. And it's an important thing called the great white throne judgment. So what does it say? This is John the Apostle who saw this vision. He says, then I saw a great white throne and him, Jesus, who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead. Now notice the difference. Not asleep people. These are dead people. The great and the small standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds or their works. And the sea gave up the dead. Now this is speaking of the physical resurrection of these dead, which are in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead, which are in them. And they were judged. Every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, which is eternal hell. This is the second death, which is eternal death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. These are people who have rejected God's love and forgiveness through Christ. These are people, when they die, they die outside of Christ. They're still in their sins. And one day they will rise bodily and be judged according to their sins. No one wants to be there. No one wants to do that. I'm telling you right now, there's no confusion about this. This is not rocket science. You're either in Christ or outside of Christ. You're either in God's love and forgiveness or outside of it. When people say, oh yeah, God loves everyone, he does. That's why he gives you a chance to come to faith in his son, Jesus Christ, the one who rose from the dead for you so that you can rise with him. But you have to be in him by faith. Now, the next question would be, how will the dead in Christ be raised then? Well, number one, with a new body. Remember, where the head goes, the body follows. The head, Jesus Christ, received a new resurrected body. We, the body of Christ, will receive a new resurrected body. Paul writes about it. He says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? It is sown a perishable body, which is a temporal. It is raised an imperishable, which is eternal body. We see it in Christ. Now, let me ask you something. This is in God's word. So we either have to believe it or reject it. If we believe it, it's obviously saying that as happened to Christ, where he had a human perishable body, he was raised with an eternal resurrected glorified body. Now, Paul unpacks this a little more in the next section. He compares the two different bodies as two different seeds, which, by the way, I find it very interesting that Jesus, speaking of his death, compared it to a seed. He said this grain of wheat or the seed of wheat, if it doesn't fall into the ground and die, how will it rise and bring life and a harvest? Jesus was speaking that 
He is the seed, which by the way is a whole story in itself. He's spoken of way back in Genesis, the seed that would rise, but he had to be buried. If you take a seed, you got to bury it in the ground to get a harvest. Every person knows this. So Jesus was just saying, that's how it works. The body is buried as the seed and raised in eternal life. So Paul fleshes this out a little more in 1 Corinthians 15 again. Now I'm going to start reading in verse 39, and he speaks of the flesh. He says, all flesh is not the same flesh. So he's speaking of the material body, but there's one flesh for man. He's talking about the body. So you can say there's one body for people. There's one for animals. There's one for birds, one for fish. There are heavenly bodies. There are earthly bodies. And then he says, but the glory of the heavenly one and the glory of the earthly are different. There's one glory. And so he is saying this body is glorious in its own sense because we're made in God's image. There's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star and glory. So he's saying if you look at the heavens, you'll see different bodies, you know, the way they're clothed. And then he goes on in verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable, eternal. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. How is he figuring this out? He just looked at Jesus. It is stone a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, speaking of Christ, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first. The natural body is first. The first man is from the earth. He's earthy. The second man is from heaven. He's heavenly. Jesus, as is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, also are those who are heavenly. So he's comparing us to the bodies that we have now and the body we'll have. Jesus, just as we have been born in the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of Christ, the heavenly. Now I say this, verse 50, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So I can't inherit the kingdom of God in this flesh. Because this flesh is sin. You ever wondered why you want to do the right thing and you don't do the right thing? Or you want to think the right things and you don't? Well, that's because you're fighting against this. Who wants to take you down? And then Satan wants to take you down too. So you're kind of fighting these battles. But if you know for a fact what's going on, you'll know that you're already in heaven with Christ. But we're in two time zones. We're here, but we're not there yet. Physically. So that's important to understand. If you would really get this into your heart, you will have a different perspective about this world and about what's going on. It won't bother you. You ever wonder why there's people that would give their life for Christ and go to different countries and die for Christ? Because they know it's more important. They know where they're going. They want other people to go with them. So we're raised bodily. When? How will the dead in Christ be raised? In a moment. Paul says, in a moment, in an instant, in 1 Corinthians 15, behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Now, this is interesting. What do you mean we're not all sleeping? He's talking about dying physically. We'll not all die physically. Some will be changed in an instant. 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. Now here's important things to think about here. Follow me on this. First of all, some will not be dead physically when Jesus comes back. Some believers will be here on earth. But we all will be changed. And who's the we? Is it anybody? No, it's the church, the body of Christ. How quickly, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, blink your eye, that quick, at the last trumpet. Trumpets were the instrument used by Israel for all different purposes, to sound the battle, to warn of approaching day of judgment, to announce the coming of the Lord, to summon people of God from the four corners of the earth. So this trumpet will blast. And I'll bet you'll be really loud. But not everyone will hear or respond, sadly. Now, who will respond? Only those who know Jesus. So the question is, do you know Jesus? Jesus actually said, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now that word snatched is very important. It's the Greek word harpazo, and it can mean taken away or caught up. Remember that, because I'm going to read a very important passage that's about the rapture. 1 Corinthians 4, 16-17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven, with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. This is the physical resurrection. If you're alive, boom, you're up. If you're dead in the grave, God puts all that body together in a new way, and boom, you're up there with him. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up. Say that, caught up. That's the word for snatched or taken away. So when Jesus says, that no one can snatch them, those who belong to him, away from him, nor snatch them away from his father. He's using the same word. The interesting thing is no one will be able to take you away from him, but Jesus will take you away to be with him, to be caught up, to be snatched out of this world. Hallelujah. That'll be a good day. This is the promised blessed assurance that we have nothing to worry about. So what should be my response? Obviously, you have to believe. Jesus said, whoever believes in him is not condemned. And he's speaking of himself. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You must believe in his name, in who he is, and not just historically, but what he did for you on the cross and what he did for you at the resurrection and what he's continuing to do for you as he's seated at the right hand of the Father, praying and interceding for you and one day coming back to reign with you. But what about believers? 
Paul doesn't end this story here. What should we be doing as believers until Jesus' second parousia? The answer is keep working. Keep serving. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. In fact, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, and he's speaking to the church, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In other words, when you serve the Lord on this earth, it's not meaningless. You know, for the last couple of months, people have been locked down in their home and they can't go to work and everything. But our work for the Lord does not depend on going to a building or anywhere. Our work in the Lord is dependent on, will we serve him with the people who God has in our sphere of influence now? Who are those people? Those are the people that need to hear the voice of God so that they can rise from the dead. So we can't be distracted. We can't be fooled or confused. We got to stay focused. We got to keep working for Jesus. Now, what kind of work is Paul speaking about? And here's a stroke of genius, because Paul is a genius. And I believe is what he said at the very beginning of chapter 15. He says, now brothers, so this is the whole beginning of this passage we just went through. Now brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. You are also saved by it. If you hold to the message of the word I proclaim to you, unless you believe for no purpose. So what is he saying? He's saying, that it's not just about belief, it is about belief for salvation, but it's about sharing your belief, the good news, with other people so they can come out of the tomb as well. We don't want people to die outside of Christ. Nobody does. I mean, do you want people to die outside of Christ? I mean, what did Christ do for you? Should we not do for others what he did for us? We're out of the tomb. We're not in there anymore. We're in the light. But there's people in the darkness. And I know this whole world we live in is conflictive and confused. And there's debates and there's arguments against your side, against my side. Let's remember this. In the end, when we leave this earth, don't you want to take someone to heaven with you? That's what we're talking about. God didn't leave you here to sit down and do nothing. God left you here to serve in the kingdom of God in the church and through the church and reach people so that the kingdom of God can grow. And this is the time to do it because I'm telling you right now, God is doing an amazing thing and there's going to be an incredible harvest that comes out of this time. As Jesus, the seed, died in the ground, we need to die to ourselves so that God can live through us. Are you willing to do that? To preach the good news? Why don't you sit there this week and think, how can I share the gospel in this time? Wherever you are, how can I do it? Is it over the internet? Is it outside walking around where you might, you know, you still safe distance, but you share Christ. I heard people setting up music on their driveways and playing worship songs or standing out, preach the gospel in your driveway. There's all these different ways to reach people because when we go back, to work, whatever that means for you. You never left work. You never left. And if this is the one thing that you hear from me this morning, you never left work. God's still here. 
God still wants to use you. He wants to be the purpose, the person with a purpose, with meaning, not wondering and confusion and fear. So what will you do? That's the question, please. This is urgent. The hope to cope is not just for us. It's for other people. And that's why I do this. I hope that this gets out. That's why I want you to share it. Because people need to hear about the good news and the hope that we have in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can spend this time, even though we're apart, we're together in Christ. And we are part of the body of Christ. And where the head goes, the body follows. So the head, when he rose from the dead, he went on witness to people. And then he told his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. And that's what I pray we would do, Lord, as a church. And that we would make a difference in the way that we can during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me-